0: the Knowing Podcast. We're here to talk about healing, about insight, about cultivating and living from our own internal wisdom, and about the intention to live beautifully and compassionately as a human being during these times. We're really happy you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Knowing Podcast. I am C.L. Grove. I'm here with the lovely Allison Strickland of New York City. Oh, hello. Actually, do you live in Brooklyn?
1: I am in Brooklyn.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's actually distinction that is important. It's like when people who live in Oakland, (laughs) you know, people say, you live in San Francisco. They're like, no, I don't. I definitely don't. (laughs) Right, it's a different place. Right, Uh it's
1: like there's the city, then there's Brooklyn. Uh
0: It's different,
1: but I'm I don't I'm still just such a West Coaster. I still feel like I've been here six years, but I'm just like yeah, I'm still
0: West Coast Uh till I die. Uh Uh (laughs) How how is the East Coast? Um,
1: you know, I I don't know. I don't know how any of this is. <laughs> I'm just like, I guess it's fine. There's a lot of talk about things like fully reopening here in July. July mm-hmm. 1st, there, everyone's like, New York oh, is open bad. July 1st, and I'm just kind of like, what happens July 1st? Like, does a veil get lifted? I don't really understand. Right. Um. Oh, nor have I done the work to, to understand and like deeply research. Like, how did we come to this? You know, date that like things are supposedly. Back, but I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a little. I'll believe it when I see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Does it give a sense of like optimism, or I mean, it, what is the circumstance there right now? Like, how are things sort of set up and functioning? Mm.
1: I'm never optimistic, so
0: I don't know how <laughs> regular people <laughs> is feel. This is this why we're friends? I mean, <laughs> is this is why we're friends. I have like just as a bizarre aside, but I have like friends who we share what I would probably deem not so positive personality character traits. Like I have one friend where we're just like, I love spite, you know, and and she loves spite. So we're like, we we bond over like the, the stupidity of being like, oh yeah, and I did that out of spite. Not that we let ourselves just get away with it, but we're just like recognizing that, that yes. character trait aspect. So you and I come uh, to probably equal terms on like, pessimism right there we go
1: exactly it's just like okay I I get what we're trying to say is gonna happen here and we'll Mm -hmm. see if it actually happens or not but Mm -hmm. yeah Hmm. it's like I feel both like out of touch really
0: yeah well and I think that that's probably fairly appropriate you know where anyone who is still perhaps clinging to, you know, stories of absolute certainty. Uh, I don't know if the pandemic has done what <laughs> I think it was sort of supposed to do or, or one of the, the aspects of the teachings of this whole experience, like we spoke about, I mean, some a year ago, right about this time, right? Mm. Of this immersion in uncertainty. And what do we do with uncertainty and how do we cling to something, some certain story, you know, and and can we see it when we're doing it? Can we call ourselves to task and... Uh, responding Mm -hmm. differently and you know it's I think there's still a lot of no I know the absolute truth and this is the absolute truth and and Mm -hmm. this is a very ambiguous circumstance with a lot of gray zones I mean it is one big gray zone you know and Mm -hmm. and we can see those kind of experiences as ultimately destructive and annihilating uh, and they are but perhaps it's an opportunity to annihilate the part of us that is actually holding us hostage you know Mm -hmm. instead of the part that we you know that can actually grant us a sense of freedom right so Mm -hmm. I think it's good optimism's good I think you know as we've talked about hope's overrated so it's more about how we meet this present moment right is like what's happening today and can I deal with this and the answer is generally yes
1: it's, it's just really hard to be like um, constantly unsure. And I think that it's like, you know, mm-hmm. talking about like this opportunity that we have all had collectively to come to this situation and be like, okay, there is no such thing as certainty. But it's mm-hmm. like that delusion feels so much better than just living <laughs> in uncertainty.
0: Completely, <laughs> I, absolutely. But if if we if we subscribe to the delusion so intensely that we never face these existential questions, the mm-hmm. paradox and the the, the, the reality is, is that we can never be happy. Our mm-hmm. happiness actually requires us to attend consciously as adults to those existential questions of, you know, what does give my life meaning? When it's not certainty, when it's not predictability, when it's not ownership, when it's not esteem or social attention or whatever, right? Those are the critical existential questions we actually have to attend to. But, I mean, as we talked about in the last episode, the culture that we are immersed in right now is built upon trying to figure out how to not have to answer those questions, right? How Mm -hmm. to avoid those uncertainties. And so we... We try to dominate, we try to control, we try to manage our our self-image, our you know whatever. we are it, it, totally consumed by those egoic procedures and and ways of being in the world. and the the downside is that we can actually never be happy. Happiness requires us to look at, well, what are the the flimsy ways that I build happiness? and can I stop relying upon those illusionary illusion how do you say that? Elusive? Illusory. Elusive structures? <laughs> Illusory? God, I, I need Brent. He always checks my, <laughs> my English. <laughs> like, like, see how oh, that's, that's not a word. You can't say that. So, Brent, you can edit that out and maybe put in your own voice saying the right word at this point in the podcast. Illustratory. <laughs> anyway, yes. And it, it, I mean, if we, as you said though, if we don't have to do this work, we sure as hell don't want to, right? Mm-hmm. It's not particularly fun to have to actually look at the structures in your life and, and ask yourself, you know, whether they have meaning or not. And um, who was I listening to? Jamie Wheel uh, was on with, was with Aubrey Marcus, and they were talking about Jamie Wheel's new book. Have you ever encountered him?
1: I have. My friend has a big fat crush on him.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. He's, I find him really entertaining and sometimes I find him a little smarmy, but smarmy's not <laughs> altogether a bad thing. But, I don't know. Maybe it's just his accent. But um he he was talking about how many days have we talking, Jamie Wheel? Oh Jamie, we think you're you're amazing and and very good looking and quite funny and obviously brilliant, but yeah, your accent's a little funny. Um but <laughs> Anyways, he was on there and he was talking about this crisis, you know, this contemporary crisis that we're all in right now. And he was, um, and I'm probably going to bastardize this, but he was talking about how we've gone through these meaning-making kind of epochs of time as human beings where you know we our meaning was based on 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 the meaning handed to us through religious you know um, teachings and and uh, allegiance to religious ideas and stuff and i think he called that like meaning 1.0 and then meaning 2.0 has been the sort of uh, value system embedded within cultural ways or uh, um capitalist ways of being in the world right our meaning is like how important am i and and mm-hmm. do i have autonomy and you know and and a sort of false autonomy in that meaning 2.0 pursuit. And his argument or position is that we're at this meaning crisis right now, you know, of saying what does give our lives meaning? Is it predictability and control, a sense of, um, you know, righteousness, or or a kind of what I call an external authority, you know, that we think we're more right than someone else? Or are mm. we being called to the task of actually cultivating um, a truly new form of meaning that has never existed on the planet before, right? And is mm-hmm. actually very specific to this point in our in our evolution as a species, right? And I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool idea. You know
1: what? And this might have something to do with what you're talking about or might not, but I feel like what what is triggered in me when you say that, not triggered, I hate that word, it's not triggered, what is brought <laughs> up in me when you say that is... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm like really in a mood today, so we're like
0: really. It's great, I love it. Um, Sunday morning, nine o'clock feels triggering, Allison. Right off the bat, Jesus Christ!
1: No, you're <laughs> Just not actually triggering me. Um, I know, I know. But the but the thing that I, I think that what I feel like is butting up against each other in my own understanding of this kind of like these practices and how they meld together is this kind of Buddhist not self and shamanic Mm -hmm. path of power. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, those almost feel like, like how do these paradoxes live together? Because there's, there's a part of me that it's like, and I could just also (laughs) highly likely not being understanding, like not understanding either of these concepts uh, well enough, Mm. but it's like this idea of like the not self where we're constantly surrender, give it away, give it away, give it away. Um, not that awful song from the '90s. That's what it. Was. <laughs> so, I
0: that know. actually was what was going through my head in that moment. I was like, "Gone from the conversation. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now." I was <laughs> totally. Like, yeah. Thank you for that. That was excellent.
1: <laughs> oh my god! So, uh, so it's like, how do we? How do we? Constantly give these, like, self-concepts away, but also, like, really hold power where it's like, I am mm-hmm. the one who decides my own impeccability. Like, that feels so formed, and mm-hmm. Buddhism feels so formless that I don't know how they live together.
0: Mm. That's a, I mean, it's a great question, but I think that what you alluded to there, Allison, of um the importance of a of a um an understanding of the meaning of the words within the system in which they're embedded right mm-hmm. where for example you know we can engage with a word like power and we're going to have a very wide range of uh, intellectual, you know, understandings of what that actually means, how it shows up in a person's being in life and, you know, how it, it plays out in in who they are in the world in general, right? Whereas, you know, we take power from within the motif of, of capitalism or contemporary culture, and we, with probably without even realizing it, we're thinking of power over. We're thinking mm-hmm. of, you know, control. We're thinking of dominance. And, I mean... We actually have to admit that to ourselves, that the, the actual word itself carries a subconscious embedded meaning that we have to investigate, right? Mm-hmm. Within shamanic practice, um, which, I mean, Buddhism was initially emerged from the bond tradition. and it was right. a shamanic practice. It, it they they do function beautifully together. They're both animist in the sense that, you know, there's this awareness that all things um, are imbued with with spirit, with energy, right? there's a they are very holistic, very um, I mean, transcendence seeking uh, thought systems. But there mm-hmm. are some differences for sure. But I mean, even within, you know, the Kagyu lineage, which is the lineage that I would consider myself affiliated with in terms of Buddhist practice, which is the, the trickster lineage or the the mishap lineage, people who are hmm. total shitheads and then somehow got themselves <laughs> together again. I'm one of those people. I have What's no the name yes. the, what is the name of the, the lineage? The Kagyu. Kagyu. It's like made up of like a bunch of drunks and murderers <laughs> and just awful, <laughs> awful people who at some point were like, Oh my God, I should sort my shit out, you know, and (laughs) then figured out how to redeem themselves, you know? And Hmm. and I I know when I found that lineage, I was like, oh my God, there's hope. (laughs) Like it's me for my (laughs) totally my lying, cheating, stealing, nasty self. Like I can figure this out, you know? So anyways. Um, but in that lineage, you know, there's there's talk about power, there's, you know, an acknowledgement of power but it doesn't ever mean power over power is um you know very much an inner experience that occurs through alignment right when mm-hmm. we are not divided against the self we are not you know, sometimes operating from the the spiritual self, the, the the emergent soul self, you know, and sometimes operating from the ego self, and sometimes you know trying to transcend the self. Like we we are actually in ourselves fully all the time, and mm-hmm. I may have used that this metaphor before, but you know, when I think of power, it's it's the energy that runs through the central channel of my being, right? And that mm-hmm. central channel, uh, just by the, my genetics or my soul state or whatever is uh, a particular size. Yours is a particular size. You know, we have a particular amount of power that we can run through us just like a, you know, an electrical cord, right? You can't run the same amount of power through every cord and each person mm-hmm. has a different size of channel, right? Mm-hmm. But we block that power um, through a bazillion, and eternity of different ways through self-doubt, through judgment, through shame, through, you know, whatever. We block that power from, that universal power from being able to flow through us, right? And mm-hmm. that emerges from the soul and, and guides us into our soul space, our, our niche in the world that is for us, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, like, there's a, a very different understanding of power, right, than we would think of in the Western world, right? And, I mean, same goes... I was recently doing a lot of study of existential um, therapy and, and psycholo- psychology and talking about, you know, the term freedom in existential thought. When you think of freedom, you know, in, in terms of contemporary experience, what do you think of? What is freedom? To me? Mm-hmm. hmm
1: Just the ability to safely exist. Where it's like there's no there's no chance of having non-existence is a maybe bizarre way to say it, but it's like nothing I do, nothing anyone does around me can stop my essence. That feels right. like freedom. And
0: yet I I hear in there there's a, a large part of um concern for physicality, right? Mm-hmm. There the freedom is is a physical experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In existential thought. Freedom is actually synonymous with responsibility. We feel hmm. free when we take responsibility for things, right? That's and, and to oh, have boy. freedom, we have to have responsibility. So is <laughs> a really let I mean, letdown like, think, again. Here we come. It, back sorry. To shit. Let's go. Let's go back to oh something more gosh. more gentle. Well, it <laughs> but it I mean, look at the word though. You know, like freedom, yes. power. These are really important meaning, right? I mean, yeah. we are informed by The language, the culture, everything, for better or worse, that we are immersed in, right? And Mm -hmm. I think it's very essential. I know it's essential for us to actually question those terms and say, what does this mean? You know, everybody saying, oh, I want freedom in my life. Do Mm -hmm. you recognize, I mean, and this is my perspective and value system, is that, yes, take freedom. Also know that if you want freedom, it means you are ultimately responsible for your life and and you don't get to blame other people. That's what freedom is, right? Is is actually claiming a sense of authority in your life. Now, do we really want it? Same with power, right? We say we want power. And power has immense responsibility embedded in the experience of flowing that energy fully through you, right? Is that Mm -hmm. you have to let every single person and being and sentient organism in the world and the world itself be perfect in order to claim your own perfect power. Mm -hmm. And are you willing to do that? Right? To meet every single person and say, yeah. you are supposed to be here in exactly the form and shape and, and function that you are right now. And and that's the responsibility of, of a good use of power, right? Is that mm-hmm. we're, doing, we're experiencing that ourselves, so we do that for everyone else. And are we willing to do that? Right.
1: Well, and also it's funny because it's like now that you're talking about power, I don't necessarily think of power over other people, but it's like a power over myself that I'm seeking. And it's like uh, that is also destructive, but it's like internally destructive. totally. But so I I think that it's like what is the most challenging for me is this idea that in order to really commit to freedom and responsibility, that I have to let go Completely, like come what Mm. may, let go, let people Mm -hmm. be. Um, But then Mm -hmm. it's kind of like I I feel like I don't want to lose all of the work I've done to have a bit of a a more healthy ego and say like, Mm. hey, this is a boundary. This is actually doesn't feel okay for me. So it's like how to Mm -hmm. how to hold those things, and it's like I am a person that has to function in the world, and it's Mm -hmm. like how do I surrender. But just not be so open that you know I'm getting flung around.
0: Mm-hmm. The hard thing is, I suppose in that the expectation or the fear that that could and and would happen if you if you self transcend, if you you know like stop looking for maybe threats or dangers and other people and stuff is informed by the pain based ego itself right like it's it's mm. it's narrating that story and saying you know if you let go completely you're going to lose these boundaries you're going to lose this he- healthy sense of self whatever is true cannot be lost once you know who you are and what you're supposed to be doing and what the Allison sized hole in the universe actually looks like and and of course recognizing that that is a not a static state it is it is a process of unfolding and emergence, right so you know we have to be okay with that. Our linear left you know brain has to let go of this idea that we're going to finally arrive and and stay there and and know who we are right and these are these are really tricky processes um. Nature teaches us this, right? It teaches us this through the movement of the seasons, through not clinging and holding on to summer as it moves into fall, right? We need to re-engage with cyclical experiences as human beings in order to be able to um, not try to find our destination, right? Even in work Mm -hmm. like this, of course, people are like, I want to find who I'm supposed to be. And I mean, even I I recognize the language I just used is like, yeah, you're going to find this. We arrive into our knowing, but then the knowing is an evolutionary experience as as everything has to be, right? It's constantly moving. So so whatever you have authentically developed in your sense of self is never, it cannot be lost, right? I I don't know if I've used this analogy before, but as a biologist, I, I think it makes sense to me. I hope it'll make sense to everybody else is that, you know, a healthy cell has what's called a semi-permeable membrane around it, okay? And that membrane selects what it lets in and it carefully and and very efficiently releases toxins, waste, things that are not supposed to be left in the cell, right? And it's in this constant communication with its environment. That's a happy, healthy cell is things are coming in, things are going out, processes within the cell are working the cells like, I know my shit, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm like working away and i'm I'm good, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't it doesn't worry about um, how do I describe this, you know, whether it's it's inhabiting the right place for itself as a cell. It's just worried about doing its own inner processes and functioning really well, right? Um, and then it's it's got this selectively permeable membrane around it, which I would say is analogous to our healthy ego self, right, mm-hmm. um, that lets things in and, and lets things out. And so there's two things in there that we... We need to attend to, I think, on our spiritual and healing journey is looking at our membrane, right? And as you talk about, that's our boundaries, right? Is is figuring out what do I let in, what do I let out, right? What mm-hmm. um it, it, do I say no? And that doesn't come into my space. And of course, we're always gonna say that. A cell, a healthy organism, has to have that ability to be like, no, you know, get out of here. And also, here, I need to release these things, right? But um, a healthy boundary on a cell or a person, you know, it does not look like a cement wall because then the cell can't let anything out, you know, and it's not in any sort of form of exchange with its environment, which has to occur for an organism or an organism to be healthy. right? Mm-hmm. The paradox, and to go back to your original question of transcendence and dissolving the self, is that when we truly have our knowing, and we we've you know come into a healthy non-shame based relationship with the self. We know that we are everything and I don't mean it in that spiritual bypassing we are all one but like mm-hmm. that you are occupying a space in the system that was meant for you and so you don't have to defend it you don't have to worry about somebody taking it away from you you don't have to you know, fear it leaving you at some point. Like there is this sense of like, oh, now you're you're inhabiting this space, and then your boundaries can become fluid and and functional with the outside world. And you know, this is the part that is is um, similar in both systems is that you you experience this sense of freedom because you realize that, in not needing to defend yourself anymore you can give yourself entirely to trying to help everything around you as you right and oh. that is true in shamanic practice too right it's it's it is true in both systems that the, the greatest paradox is we come into knowing ourselves so we can forget ourselves. And it's, that's freedom, right? Because, mm-hmm. and, and freedom, uh, you know, using the existential sort of term in that our responsibility becomes showing up impeccably with compassion and and as much attention and mindfulness and and, and patience and everything else, you know, and responsibility in our lives as possible, right? Does that all make mm-hmm. sense? I know mean, that was pretty long-winded.
1: Oh, no, it it does make sense. And that does really, it, it's really helpful. I think that it's like, again, putting it into practice that it's like mm-hmm. um, really having the discernment to know when you're approached with situations that it's like, okay, this is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I, it, it can come in and this is mm-hmm. uncomfortable and this is, no, it's going to stay out. And I think that it's like, mm-hmm. All the it's 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 challenging to not let all of the discomfort be a no hell no, this is not coming in. So totally. it's totally. it's it's an interesting one.
0: Yeah, and, and in order to not go into that state of like, hell no, I'm barricading myself in my, you know, stone castle here and keeping all that shit out, is we have to spend enough time in our inner space as a cell to go, what am I holding in here that I'm not letting go, right? And these are f- everything from unresolved traumas, you know, that that haven't finished, they have not reached completion, right? And and they are mm-hmm. still being held within the cell, literally, you know, creating a toxic internal environment for us, right? Mm-hmm. This can be um, our relationship with, you know, these these just excruciating human experiences that nobody taught us how to do well, right? Fear, anger, guilt, shame, you know, these things that that we don't know how to navigate, so we keep them locked inside of us, right? And the mm-hmm. cell is going, whoa, we don't know how to let these go, so hold them on or hold on to them, and maybe by pushing them down, we'll somehow not be able to not have to deal with them, right? We have to deal with that. I mean, the encouragement, if you look at every every traditional practice system, is not to look outside of yourself, but to look mm-hmm. within and go, what is my relationship with my human experience, right? And to do this with as much curiosity and, and lightness, you know, the, that's the difficulty is that we want to take it seriously, and sometimes we do really need to, but I mean— mm-hmm. I suppose, as a sort of trickster oriented energy, like I definitely like i en- I encourage clients that I work with to find some levity and humor around those those intensities and and recognize that this is part of being human, right? But we mm-hmm. do need to look within ourselves and and release some stuff so that part of those walls can come down because the wall we say that we're protecting from something outside of us. But what we're actually doing is stopping something outside of us from poking our wounds inside of us. Right? So what makes more sense is trying to stop the world from doing shitty things, or to try to release the pain inside of you that is actually getting poked by the world. Right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Ooh, OK, yeah. so here is the big issue, and so it's like we were.: Ooh,
0: This just, is the: <laughs> The big issue. <laughs> <This> is- <laughs> I mean, this is our last you. episode, ladies and gentlemen. We will solve everything today. And, I'm possibly uh,
1: being a little dramatic because I'm like, this is oh, I my like it. issue it's right good. now. So this is yeah, the okay. issue we must all
0: deal with. <laughs> all right, Just everyone drop what you're doing. Everyone, yes, yes here, we're drop here. Drop what you're doing. No, it's good. I have a problem. It's good. Um, but,
1: <laughs> okay, so you talking like privately between you and I, we were talking about a situation Mm -hmm. with me that really triggered Mm -hmm. this kind of like karmic or core wound of Mm -hmm. feeling like my agency gets taken away. (sighs) Yeah. Even just saying it. Oh my God. Out of breath. So, okay, feeling like my agency gets taken away. And so it's like you were inviting me to just, like, allow this situation to unfold. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable for me. Um, But it's like if uh, there is this part of me that it's like is the answer to feeling afraid that my agency is going to be taken away, like releasing into letting my agency be taken away. Like, it's like, that's such a hard one to understand. Mm -hmm. Is the answer to like our greatest fears leaning into them actually happening? So if like one of my core wounds is this losing agency, is it about like when I feel like someone is trying to make decisions for me or control me, like allow it? Which
0: seems mm. absurd. I don't know. Mm. Well, maybe let's um, give a bit of context, and I'm not going to disclose your personal <laughs> circumstance oh, no, okay. on the air. No, no, no. No, just because. I mean, you were you were saying, you know, this one of the suggestions that I made to you was just to allow the situation to unfold. You know, to yeah. to let it be. Now, that's one of three um offerings, you know that I, I did in in suggesting how you might respond to this. and and I think all three layers are I know that all three layers are very essential for a healing process, and they may not all occur in this circumstance uh, and at this point in your life, you know, um they are sort of steps along the 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 process of healing, okay? The first is um the very necessary. And conscious attention we give to our wounded self—that's getting activated in this situ- situation, right? The reason mm-hmm. that there's a wound there that gets provoked, and we we go into this like you know activated experience, is because something happened historically that was similar, you know, um, some sort of pattern that we we experienced as a child or maybe in, or earlier in our life at some point, right? And we didn't get to fully resolve and integrate the experience of going through that, right? Mm-hmm. So. Our agency maybe, and this is a pretty common wound that most people carry, you know, from childhood, is we didn't have a lot of agency, right? And we didn't Mm -hmm. get to say how we wanted things to go. And we didn't then also get to say how pissed off we were at not getting to have things go our way, right? So Mm -hmm. everybody, you know, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but most people I know carry a backlog of, of pain that needs to be processed. Now, Processing doesn't mean we solve it. We don't fix it. We don't, you know figure out who to blame. We actually allow ourselves to fully talk about it and and experience, you know, what we didn't get to experience before. Mm-hmm. We all have this backlog of emotional energy that is locked up. Think of this as the toxins inside of the cell, right? That we didn't get the Offer the the environment that was required for us to be able to navigate those emotional, early emotional experiences, right? So that mm-hmm. does have to happen. Um there's different methods, different healing practices that we use for engaging with that that wounded soul part of ourselves, you know, and and allowing her to actually talk about what she's experiencing. When we skip right away to, hey, you should transcend this and you should just like let it happen. And we haven't done those um, very necessary sort of uh, wound affirming, wound validating mm-hmm. practices, we run the risk of re-traumatizing ourselves, right? For the the in the name of of spiritual transcendence. Now I think there are some people in the world who can do that, who, I mean they they call them the non-dual teachers, right? They're like snap your fingers, wake up, just transcend, let it go, drop mm-hmm. the storyline, whatever they you know all say. And that, I mean, I, I maintain that that is available for people. I certainly am not going to, as a practitioner and a healer, suggest to people that that's what they should do right away. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I needed several years of journal writing and soul retrieval and and ceremonial work and acknowledgement through psychotherapy, you know, of wounds that I had sustained in order to. Then maybe go to the next step or, you know, not to suggest these happen in sort of sequential um, Mm -hmm. levels, but I would say the next step is, can we engage with compassion, you know, for other people in the circumstance, um, you know, what they're going through, really just getting out of our own heads, right? Once we've validated the wound in ourselves that has been activated through the experience, can we stop thinking about ourselves? Because the paradox of self-healing is that if we stay in ourselves the whole time, we will become depressed, neurotic, and narcissistic. And I think that happens often in healing is that we become so Mm -hmm. obsessed with like, my shit, my wounds, my process, my whatever, that we will end up in spiritual materialism, you know, and we don't even realize it, that like, holy shit, we're so entrenched in the ego that we've told ourselves we're egoless, right? Yes. So at some point in the process, we really have to say, this is maybe not about me start thinking about someone else be socially oriented you know is what what are the other pain or the people in this circumstance experiencing and what what pain do they have that i can try to seek to understand or work in blessing or you know tonglen gratitude whatever you know tools we can apply at that moment right mm-hmm. so and again you can you know jump between these stages and 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 sort of experiences what you reference you know is is what i'd call the the true self transcendence process right of like stop defending your sacred wounds and these wounds are are these these things that we we hold close to us right of like you know nobody better touch this in me mm-hmm. this this part of my self concept right they they've become these things that we are very attached to, but that are actually so poisonous for us, right? Right? And the world keeps coming in and poking at them, and we say, "God, damn it, Like, how dare you touch this sacred part of me? You know, you're supposed mm-hmm. to see how sacred this is to me and work around it, right? But because life loves us, it's like poke, poke, poke. you know, here, I right. don't want you to be restrained and and poisoned by this thing that you're holding close, right. and and, I mean, agency, Is a tricky thing because again, to go back to semantics and meaning, what is it to have will, right? What is it? What is will to you when you when I say free will? You know, what does that mean to you, Allison? Which Mm. is so related to agency.
1: Mm, What is will to me? I think it's a an ability to act uninhibited like i can Mm. do i can move with the momentum that i want to move with with no one Mm -hmm. impeding that or nothing impeding that it's like will is just Mm -hmm. it's like i see it almost as like um like a fireball going forward that it's like nothing Mm -hmm. stops that fireball (laughs) because it burns through Mm -hmm. everything
0: Mm -hmm. right so I would say that that and and no offense to the the experience of it because I mean certainly we've talked to about will as as being associated with the masculine and the, the the element of fire right which it is but in our healing and and you know integration process we we come into an experience of being a human on the planet that is very different than than what we've been programmed into thinking a human is is you know all about And one of the shifts that occurs, you know, along with the shift of responsibility and freedom and power, is this shift to understanding will not as something that emerges from you, but as something that is co-creative with your environment and all that it contains, right? Where your Mm -hmm. will is not just, I want this and I'm going to make it happen and it needs to happen uninhibited. We actually um, practice I mean, I, this is a practice that I always do, is I ask myself, do I know what's best for me? And the reality is, I don't. You know, In this moment, I don't know what is best for me. And this surrendering and and sort of humility that we practice in recognizing that the rest of the system actually knows what's good for you, right? Now, again, this is not something that we you know say can happen right at the the beginning of a person's process not if they are experiencing abuse not if they are in situations that are you know inherently like damaging to them right and that has to be investigated but uh, at at a point in our process we start to really question like what is the experience that we have with will at some point in our process we remember that we are part of this system and that perhaps we don't know what's best for us. You know, I ask myself that question all the time of like, do I know what's best for me? Do you know what's best for you? And the ego mind says, absolutely. I've decided that this should happen and it should look like this. And I want it to, you know, these experiences. But this is the, again, the the, the similarity between shamanic practice and Buddhism is that the irony is that when we let go of ourselves, we allow ourselves to be reimmersed within the system itself, and then we don't have to doubt ourselves. We, we can actually occupy ourselves as, you know, a tree occupies itself or a coyote occupies itself, right? Does that make sense?
1: It does. It's kind of like the my will, thy will conversation.
0: Yes, exactly. And that, I mean, I've had very specific, very, like, intense moments in my life of choosing to relinquish my will and actually make someone around me more holier than I am Mm. and make their will more sacred and more wise than mine. And it's terrifying because the ego doesn't want to do this at all. And again, I do think for most people, you know, we need a certain amount of um, kind of support growth uh, regulation you know trauma integration work before we're asked to go into these these big leaps right right but not not always but when we're ready and we jump and we say, Wow, I'm not gonna defend my sacred wounds, because that's ultimately what we're doing when we're defending our idea of what is right and how things should have gone, is that we're we're crawling back into our, you know, toxic cell space and saying, Fuck you, get out. I'm putting my wall up and I'm gonna sit here and and be righteously pissed off for you poking in these wounded spaces, right? But sometimes if we have the the wherewithal and the awareness to do so, and we leap into saying, "This person's will is just as valid as mine might be," and maybe you know, I'll just let them, uh, you know, do what they think is right. Now, again, as a obvious, you know, contextual uh, attendance that, like, this is not about abuse or neglect right. or you know, just allowing people to do awful things to us by any means. This is I mean, later stage, you know, sort of process experience, but when we let go, you will feel an astounding liberation within the self because that will force those sacred wounds that we're holding so tight um, out and we can release them, right? And and then we're no longer burdened by them and then the world is no longer poking them every time we turn around. Yes.
1: Oh yes. It I I hear that and it's like um just a little bit of fear keeps crumb, like creeps in 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 a sense where it's like, okay, so if to just take one, um and the one that, that applies to me, <laughs> coincidentally. <laughs> good, um, good. it's like if if pride is one of these things that I'm holding safe that it's like, you know, I just want right. some dignity and I think that yeah. we're we're all like all human beings should be left with some amount of dignity that it's like um, when other people are kind of like moving you around, even if it's not a, a intentional, it feels like it's mm-hmm. taking dignity away of like, I'm a person who has feelings and, and I, and thoughts and my own ideas and, and I should be, those should be considered. And so it's like that right. same thing of like loss of agency when we're children. It's like, you know, Sure, there probably was lots of times where my feelings weren't considered, and also, again, did I know what was best for me? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, it's, totally, it's, it's like how how to at this stage, if it's not abuse and all of the things you mentioned, that it's mm-hmm. like how do you let that like dignity be poked, and also understanding, you know, that you teach people how to treat you, and so it's like mm-hmm. I just. Where am I going with this? I don't know, but...
0: No, no, I think it's, and I love, I mean, t- to go back to, again, definitions and, and the language that we use and, and choose, Alison, is it what is dignity? How do you define dignity? Mm. Um,
1: it, it's a respect. It's... It's, um, I'm seeing a theme here where it's like this, like, I want this impermeable <laughs> fortress. That's all I want. Is Right, this right. Can
0: someone just please, fortress. yes, exactly. Acknowledge my castle and leave me the fuck alone, people. <laughs> exactly.
1: You don't move the castle, yes. okay?
0: Totally, totally. So you, this is from shamanic practice. I would assume probably somewhere in the teachings in Buddhism too, there's an acknowledgement of of dignity as not being an external experience and I mean I think we alluded to this in a previous episode where we we're talking about really growing up right is that the conditions for our sense of self and you know the expectations on how the world should treat us and and what we want to happen in our lives um, it can and must change from childhood to adulthood, right, in order for us to truly step into our our knowing and our experience, our full actualized experience as a human being is that we can't use the same set of expectations that applied in childhood when we are an adult. And in childhood, our brains and our our entire you know biosocial system is oriented towards and programmed for um, social acceptance and belonging, and you know uh, understanding our identity as a construct that is shared you know between ourselves and the rest of society, right? and that's good that's the way it should be and and we we shouldn't let or offer to kids that you know that's not what they sort of exist in that's that's the early stages of our our sort of personal evolutionary experience in in a lifetime now in adulthood though the authority must move inwards where we start to write the story of I mean, again, to go to all these words, what does freedom mean? Mm -hmm. Is it freedom from other people? Well, good luck with that because people are always (laughs) going to judge you. They're always going to try to, you know, take something from you, whatever. So you can see hopefully where you know if we apply the same system of logic and expectations from childhood and adulthood we're going to be perpetually disappointed pissed off and and probably pretty righteous about you know every, the world wronging us right mm-hmm. now if we decide that freedom is responsibility the the locus moves inwards into our own authority and we say well then how am i showing up right this is growing up in our lives is saying how am i doing this dignity to me is not something that the rest of the world... Owes me, you know, because people mm-hmm. are going to treat me the way they treat themselves. I don't have to take it personally, quite honestly. And people treat themselves like shit, and they right. they often will be, I don't know, shitty to me. I don't I don't actually have to take that as as an, a reflection of my basic worth, right? As a child, I didn't have the option. I didn't even have the neurological structures in place to not do that. Now I do, though, and I recognize that that's my task, right? Is to say my dignity is. Am I showing up in a way that I I approve of right and that's mm-hmm. that's my job does that make sense it really does and
1: and so it's kind of like is the experience of knowing or an experience of knowing um really where it's like it, it is all no one gets to decide good or bad even though you know <laughs> yes. not those words, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, I get to decide who I am and what tenets I live my life yes. by. And it, nothing is external. Like, that's kind of what it sounds like you're saying. Nothing is external.
0: It, it is so bizarre though, Allison, because again, to go to, uh, I mean, I guess I interact with this on like a really biological level where, you know, when we are, in ourselves and thinking about us and whether the world loves us and whether we have worth and everything else, you know, this this part of the brain, the default mode network is constantly activated. And this is a similar, you know, pattern of, of activity in the brain that happens when someone's depressed, right? They're just completely self-absorbed. Now we do need to go into the self attend to the wounds of the self n- learn about the self you know and it's it's this uh, razor's edge you know of of always as i mentioned before moving towards more socially oriented practices of compassion and and service and stuff so that we don't fall into the abyss of our own you know navel gazing but mm. we we have to get to know ourselves um yes in order to come into this experience of of knowing that then, you know, we can go into self-transcendence and and be in in service to the rest of the world. And there is there is still relational aspects to that. You know, we don't just say, well I I acted in the way that I I think is right and you know and and I'm good with that. I mean, if your partner's standing there going, You're an asshole, <laughs> you probably do need to still say, Oh, okay, there's a relational part of of my existence, right? That isn't just a hundred percent internal. Because again, the trickiness of of knowing and coming into knowing is that it is a an arrival and then it's a continued process, right? We are never mm-hmm. fully done as human beings, you know, this is maybe the burden that we are tasked with. We get this beautiful gift of consciousness and self-awareness, and we have to learn how to use it well over a lifetime, right? And it's, it's a continuous process of, of checking, you know, and taking in feedback from the world and going, am I being an asshole? You know, do I need to check myself, right? But what doesn't waver is the knowing, is this feeling that you are absolutely perfect in all of your flaws and all of your goofiness and and neurosis and everything else that is contained within a person there is a perfection. like there's there, we don't go against ourselves. We have annihilated and released original sin and this this core shame of our ourselves, right? And that that is gone forever. It doesn't come back once once you've done that work, it is gone, gone, gone. Mm. Do you sometimes still go, oh, I, I probably was being a jerk in that situation and and then make amends for it? Absolutely. We still have to be relational. We are not an ivory tower who just gets to say, you know what, I've got my impeccability and you don't like it like, well, fuck you you know, right. that doesn't happen. So right. does that make sense? It does. It's, it's a very nuanced and complex process. But I think that, you know, I'd encourage people to maybe think about what your sacred wounds are. You know, what happens in the world that makes you shut down? and what what do people what could people say about you or you know re- how could they respond to you in a way that would cause you to put up those cement barriers between you and the rest of the world and we we need to you know be respectful of the fact that these parts of us are are very scared and very reactionary and we need to do a lot of supportive work and i mean that's that's basically what i do with people is like is a sort of spiraling inwards towards their sacred wounds and carrying them to a closer and closer relationship with those parts of themselves that they've banished, you know, until eventually we can let them go. We can, they're like birds that we've locked up in cages inside of ourselves and we can let them go and they continue on, you know, but... That is it, it's a careful process, but I think even just articulating it and going, okay, what are my sacred wounds that I, I just could never allow someone else to touch or, or, or criticize, right? And it can start helping, you know, it can help people develop a path, a map in a sense of like, okay, that's where I need to go to. It's not outside of ourselves. It has to be within. Um, and then you know, we find the practices generally, or the practice that would arrive for us when we are ready to actually explore those those parts of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The knowing is an Intelligi production and was recorded and produced on the traditional unceded territory of the northern Suquemic people. All music, editing, and production by Brent Morton at Bell Tower Audio. May our hearts and minds remain open. May we meet this day with equanimity and compassion. And may we remember our belonging to this earth, to each other, and to all that is.